How many of you uh, remember last week? How many were here last week and uh, were listening to uh, the podcast during the week? You know, as we, uh, as we work with these podcasts, it's so good, you know, just to revisit and uh, re-examine what God's saying and doing. So, uh, so pursue. You got your Bibles ready? Yep. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your spirit. You poured out upon us. Lord, I thank you that we don't live in a day when your spirit is just touches us from time to time. But we live in a day when your spirit dwells in us. That Lord, the one who was with the apostles, now lives in us. Lord, I thank you for that difference, the new covenant, that transformation, Father. And so this morning, we just take authority over every argument, every pretension, every wrong learning that sets itself up against the name of Christ. And we proclaim liberty. We open our hearts to your word. We open our minds. We thank you, Father, that your spirit is going to take the things that belong to Jesus, make them known to our spirits, and bring understanding into our minds and in our hearts. Father, we thank you. We thank you for that for the grace of that, for the power of that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so this, uh, this series we're uh, called Pursue, and uh, you know, as, as we're pursuing the things of God, what we're, what we're, first of all, we're pursuing, we're pursuing love, and we're desiring spiritual gifts. So as we're pursuing, as we're going hard after God, we're not just trying to get things so that we look amazing. But we're understanding as we pursue God, as we pursue the gift, as we eagerly desire the the things of the Spirit, the the administration, it's not just gifts. The word gifts is is not actually the correct things. It's, It's more spirituals is the correct translation. More administrations and things of the Spirit and ways of the Spirit, not just gifts. But on the other hand, gifts is kind of a good word because these gifts to the church, we saw that they they, they don't just, uh, they're not just things, they are in fact actually people or ministry offices. And, and And it isn't that I have a ministry of being a pastor, but the call of God in my life owns me and commands me and leads me forward, otherwise I don't fulfill God's plan. The the gift owns me, not me own the gift. That's such a key element. As we understand, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. He gave a, a range of different things, but those things own us, not the other way around. And as we enter into that fullness, we begin to see some maturity in our lives. While we try to control it, we actually have an issue. When we try to control the gifts, actually we don't honor the call of God in our life. As we honor the call of God in our lives, we begin to see the responsibility, 
the, the need to stay close to the Lord rather than just pull it out when we're ready for it. Oh, right, hang on, it's time to preach. Let's operate in the anointing. Or it's time for a, a word of prophecy. Oh, let's, let's operate in the prophet's office. No, we understand these things own us, and therefore we, we see from Ephesians 4 that Jesus gave these gifts they were part of his redemptive purpose. They were, they were part of that plan, not just on the earth, but from heaven, Jesus poured these things out on us, seated in heavenly places. You can't operate these gifts from the earth. You have to operate them from heavenly places because that's where they're established and that is where the authority comes from because Jesus gave them from his place of authority the throne room of heaven. Jesus isn't walking on the earth trying to work these things out. He's seen in heavenly places. Everything's done, finished, accomplished, and therefore we can go in the same power that he has because we're operating from heaven ourselves. Yeah? Such a key, because otherwise you will try to pull down into the earth what is already uh, yours, so to speak, you know? We're trying to, we try to lay hold of things, and yet actually, if we're in the right place, we already have them. The, the key for spiritual gifts, this is the ministries, actually, is that they, they are actually backed by His authority, and they produce maturity... And they produce effectiveness in our lives. They actually empower the work. If you're seated in heavenly places, listening to the Father, you've got a clear sense of where you're going. You're not scrambling, okay, what am I doing? What do I do here? There's that walk of understanding, a walk of, of uh, an instructed tongue. He wakens me morning by morning, uh, I, uh, the, the Isaiah says. He wakens me morning by morning to hear his voice. As I wake, I'm hearing his voice. I'm not going, oh, I wonder if God's going to be with me today. Right. I'm not wondering how am I going to hear from God. But I understand, he wakens me to listen. Yeah. He's already working, even on my bed. He, he, there's, been a, there's been dreams, there's been stuff working on my heart all night. The number of times I wake up in the morning and I've got parts of sermon, I've got things, okay, I need to pray them through. I need to understand them. He's given me a sense of something, now what am I going to do with it? You see, this is the way the Spirit works. He gives us things that He then expects us to step into. Yeah? You see, the gift owns me, not the other way around. Yeah? This is what is maturity, the empowering of the work. That as we don't, we don't just honor the things of the Spirit, we, we are determined to give glory to the things of the Spirit. Yeah? Because it's the Spirit of Christ is God. The Holy Spirit's not a power, it's not a, an additional part of God that's sort of somehow lesser. He is God completely. That's the amazing thing. The Trinity, the somehow three yet one. It, divisible in, in terms of uh, uh, function, but not in terms of nature. The way they operate, you can see a distinction but actually the character, and there's no difference, no distinction, no end of one and the start of the other. Yeah? So as we see this, we see that God gave these gifts. He saw, gave it as part of his divine call upon our lives. Many are called, few are chosen, because they don't, send, they don't line themselves up with the call of God in their lives. That call that I just said that owns us. 
but it then is being confirmed by others. We don't just go around going, I'm a prophet, I'm a pastor, I'm an evangelist. Others confirm that. So we set aside people when we recognize what God's doing by their fruit, by what we're seeing being produced from their lives. Okay? And then we, so it's been confirmed by others. And we see that, that work, and, and I'm not going to go into more detail, that's all last week. It requires obedience. It's produced changes in how I physically look. You know, I don't have the spikes in the earrings anymore. I don't wear black and w- look weird. Because I want to be a blessing to those who hear me. I don't want to put them off by the way I look. So I'm all things to all men. So for some, I'll dress casually. For some, I'm in a suit and tie. It doesn't matter to me. Obviously, I prefer casual. But I will do whatever it takes. I will do whatever it takes to get that word out. Because it requires obedience. It's not about me. It's about the people that God wants to minister to through me. And then there's that equipping and so as we go into all of that, it's uh, exciting. But you see, before there's the ministry office, there's some significant things that happen first. Before the ministry comes the gifts. So part of the gifts, one aspect of the gifts that I talked about last week is the office gifts. But the other part of it is the spiritual gifts, the, the, the ministry gifts. Uh, uh, so when we, when we read that in Acts, Acts verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 3, when the church was growing and amazing things were happening, they said, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Who are known to be filled with the Spirit and wisdom. So they weren't saying, we'll pray about it. What they were saying is, there's seven folks out there that is really clear to all of you. There's something you can see. So what is it? That's a question, isn't it? We should ask. Who are known. So how do we know that they were filled with the Spirit? What do we know? Well, we know about them because of their ministry gifts, the things that they did that we're going to go on and talk about in a minute. We understand with the way they led their lives that people were seeing things happen around these guys. Who knows? It's believers that lay hands on the sick and they recover. It's not just the pastor, the prophet, the, the whoever, the evangelist. Yeah? So, in other words, there should be a demonstration of being a believer. There should be something active going on that demonstrates, hey, I'm a man. There's nothing in me that can heal someone, yet when I pray, something happens. And so we see that around us. So, so where's the proven track ministry of the folks around us? So, we, you know, Pastor Kevin and Susan, they come, come back, it's easy to go, oh, yeah, but they're pastors. They've been doing it in the ministry. But to then hear uh, Meshach's testimony and to hear some of the other testimonies over the last couple of weeks of people that have been touched, who are being uh, prayed for by, by, by our church, that's the sign. Believers, not just the appointed few. It's such a key element, you see, 
One of the things that we know about this is that the Holy Spirit, as, as, he, as he operates in lives, and you see, this is what I was bringing these testimonies out last, last week, Ananias. Hey, all we know about this guy is he, he, he spent some time with Paul, got him healed, and filled with the Spirit. He's a nobody. No, he isn't. He's got his name in that Bible. God knew exactly who he was calling, but he wasn't one of the so-called leaders. They were in hiding. <laughs> come on. Come on. Paul's coming. What do you do? Get out of the way. So, God picked someone who he knew, who was in the Spirit, listening to the vision, did what the Lord said. Yeah? Come on. He did what the Lord said. Then the other testimony, a friend of ours, Chrissy from, from Manchester, uh, go to the airport just because God woke her up during the night with a sense she needed to go and meet someone at the airport. The result, she leads the person to the Lord who then dies a couple of hours later in the Manchester airport disaster. How good is God? But it was not the elite. Not that we are elite. Listen, there's nothing elite. Most of us, pastors, we, we, we're kind of going, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Show me, please, Lord. Just give me that knowledge of what to do next. We're kind of like a quarter of a step ahead of you. That's about it. Half a step, maybe. On a really good day, one step. And then we're feeling dislocated because actually we've gone too far ahead. So it, it, that's the way we are. You know, it, it, there's the experts in the spirit. We're, we're just trusting God. We are just trusting God, just believing the things that he's saying, just speaking it out, just, just allowing him to work these things in us. So the gifts and fruit, wisdom. So it's not just the gifts, but it's the wisdom. Full of the spirit and wisdom. So there's a demonstration of the gifts and a demonstration of the fruit that they said. Those are the people choose. That's what being filled with the Spirit is about. It's fruit and gifts. And that leads to ministry offices. And the ministry offices point you back to going ahead and doing it. So we prepares people for the work. Not that the pastors do the work. Although... There's times when we're up to 12 o'clock, we're sitting with people and we're counseling. That's, that's okay. But most of it is for you to go do the work. It's not just for us. So, so as we see these things, we understand the power. We understand the, the grace that's there. You see, these, these things are, are not a sign for, for us. They're, they're a sign for, for what's about to come. So... You know, as I talked about Southampton, the, the, what brought me right the way through, I, I got saved, but this housewife speaking into a coma situation, seeing a girl raised from the dead, was what made me, right, if you're doing stuff like that, God, I don't care, I'm going to go for it, whatever you say. If you're going to speak a word that raises someone from the dead, right in front of my eyes, the rest of my life's yours. That, for me, was the simplicity of it. If that's what you can do, I mean, you've just saved me, which is pretty cool. But if you can speak and raise a girl from the dead in a hospital in the UK, and not just somewhere overseas that I can explain away, but right in front of my eyes, yeah, whatever you say, God. <laughs> and that, that, for me, was the, the, that starting point. It's like, okay, whatever, that's what I'm going to go for. 
And that's when he called me to be a pastor. He called me into the ministry in the midst of that whole situation. That's all last week's. So, right, so next, this week. Five. So, let's just have a look at, because I, I want to really just uh, lay some stuff here that's going to really uh, just re-encourage us, reset us uh, s- some of the plans. You see, to be full of the Spirit, one of the keys we need to understand is the world can't receive the Spirit. The world will never receive the Spirit. The world opposes things of the Spirit. The world can receive Christ. So the Holy Spirit is not for the world, but for the church, for the body, for the children. Because the Holy Spirit is hovering over the earth. He's, he's getting ready to do things, and he brings conviction, and he, he brings the challenges. But the world, he, he won't come into an unconsecrated vessel. And you see, that's the difference. And, you know, you can have a donkey can be empowered to speak, but that's not God didn't speak through the donkey. Sorry if that blew your theology. You know, actually, when that donkey spoke to the prophet, the donkey was given the ability to voice its own thoughts. It didn't speak by the power of God, God's voice. Yeah? It wasn't the, the God, didn't, God didn't speak through a donkey. Yeah? That's what I'm trying to say. All right. Let's, let's just move on. If you actually read the scriptures and read what it says, that's what it, you'll, you'll say that. Okay. So God doesn't just use donkeys. So any of you that have said, if God can use a donkey, he can use me. While that might be a good sentiment, it's not the truth. Because God can use people who have surrendered to him filled with his spirit, that's who he uses. The difference in the Old Spirit, when Old Testament, when the Spirit came upon someone and moved them to do stuff, is very different from the New Testament, where the Spirit of God lives in us, and we are to listen to the promptings and the proddings and the, the, the sense of what the Spirit's doing. We're to be sensitive to the Spirit, listening, led by him. He doesn't just press our buttons and make us do stuff. We're not robots. Under the, Old Testament, under the Old Testament, you could not do it in the same way. You, the, the, so the, the prophet was almost moved beyond their own abilities to do stuff. They, they prophesied almost outside of their mind. They spoke things they had no clue about. But in the New Testament... We speak what we are given revelation and understanding. We bring forth what the Spirit instructs us to bring forth. That's right. Good There's a co- cooperation. So the world can't receive it. The Holy Spirit is a gift to you and to me. That actually we are born again by the Spirit, but then there is this clear separate act of the infilling of the Spirit. So we see that in multiple places, in Acts 8, in Acts 10, in Acts 19. So in in Acts 8, Philip goes to Samaria, and he preaches the words, and many people get saved. There's many signs, there's many wonders, but until the apostles arrive, 
No one has been filled with the Spirit, and no one is operating in the gifts of the Spirit except Philip. So what happens is the apostles lay hands on people, spirits imparted, they speak in tongues, they see more miracles, and then Simon wants to go and buy the anointing. He understands, hey, this has been amazing, hey, but that's even more powerful. So salvation was one thing, but this ability to give power, I want that. And he tried to buy it. And of course, he tried to do it the wrong way. Then we move on to uh, Acts, Acts 10. And so we have Peter speaking to the church, uh, or to the, uh, what was going to become church, in Cornelius' house, Gentiles, unbelievers, so to speak, people that are outside of the covenants. The first time that we see non-Jews getting saved, it's about eight to ten years after the Holy Spirit was poured out of Pentecost. It's a long time where the church did not get in their heads what God wanted to do. God said to do this, and it took them somewhere between eight to ten years before they ever saw a non-Jewish convert, even, get filled with the Spirit. And so Cornelius and his household, it was a major breakthrough. But what happens, Peter's preaching. He's preaching the message of salvation. He's preaching Christ. And then the Holy Spirit gets poured out. And the first thing that happens, they're praying in tongues. Something of the Spirit is demonstrated the second the Spirit is poured out. And Peter goes, hey, hey, let's get them baptized. Let's, let's get them dunked properly. Let's do the full job. Let's make sure these guys really know the old's gone, the new's come, they've got the Spirit, they've got salvation, they've got all the rest of it. Hey, let's just make sure they really understand what they're living in. The outward sign of what's gone inside, yeah? So we understand that, but it still had to be salvation first, spirit second. The preaching of salvation, then the pouring out of the spirit. Now, it might have been nearly or immediately, but it was one, then the other. These guys were believers. They believed in what was being preached. And so we understand that. So as we see what, uh, from these scriptures, what we're actually beginning to see is that dynamic that actually one of the, the nearly, nearly 99% of the time, you can say the very first gift of the Holy Spirit is tongues. It seems to be from Scripture that there's an in, uh, inevitability that the first gift is tongues. I know some people don't like that. It's not very convenient for some, and I haven't got time to go into all of that now. I need a full hour of extra stuff just on this to teach. So um, if you want some more explanation, I can give that afterwards. But the outworking of the Spirit always seems to be that God first breaks through in the Spirit, in tongues, because that tongues is such a significant gift for the individual as well as then the gifts for the whole church. Okay? So the gifts of the Spirit are for the edification, for the comfort, for the exhortation of the church. They cause the church to rise in a number of different ways. And so what we see is edification. Well, that is uplifting enlightenment. It brings understanding. Exhortation is persuasive for persuasion to action. Makes you get going. 
And comfort is strengthening assistance. So we're getting people excited and motivated. We're getting them going and we're getting them cared for. Okay? So that's all those fancy words mean. But you see, that is very clear that we were given every gift. Whereas it says, to one is given, this is in the context of a meeting, not you can have this and you can have that. Because this is what it says in, in, in Ephesians 1. He says, he has blessed us, verse 3, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It says elsewhere he's no respecter of persons. It says elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7, he says, you do not lack any spiritual gifting. You're, and it says elsewhere that you've been blessed in all of your speaking and all of your knowledge of him. So there's multiple scriptures that show us not to just think, I'll have this, you can have that, like God is subdivides it. If you are a co-heir with Christ, this is what it means. It's not a dividing of the pie into different parts, but you get the whole pie. And somehow I get the whole pie. That's what co-heir with Christ means. It's not a, a joint heir with Christ. It's a co. It means that we co-have at the same time. Okay, it's quite, it's quite significant. Because if you don't believe that you have got all the gifts, you will know that there's things you can't move into. There will be opportunities where you go, I'm not equipped for that. But he has equipped us for every occasion that he leads us into with every spiritual yeah. gifting. Yeah. And what happens is, when we need it, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like having a toolbox and going, I haven't got a drill. I can't put a nail. Uh, I put a, a screw into the wall. How crazy would that be? You go, well, I can't put the shelf up. It might be a nice excuse for me to Claire, but she doesn't really take that for very nicely. You know, it's like, get on with it. She knows that in the toolbox, I have all the tools that I need to do the job. Get on and do it. So in our explanations to God, you know, when we're sort of saying, no, 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 no. Stop using your mouth for the wrong stuff. We are those who have been called, graced for the works that he has pre-prepared in advance for us to do, lacking no gift, we can move into those things with no fear, yeah. not because we just think, oh, I can do anything, but because we have prepared our hearts, we're walking with the Spirit. This is what it says, the Great Commission. The Great Commission, go into all the world and do a variety of things, and there I'm with you. Yeah. There I'm with you. Yeah. So it's not, uh, uh, Jesus, what are we doing now? Uh, are you up there somewhere? Uh, hang on a minute. You know, please, I need a bit of help here. No. If we have met with Jesus and we're walking with Jesus, we don't leave the heavenly places in our daily work, but we are honoring the call in our lives by walking with him. Then when we come across a circumstance at work, in the marketplace, at school or wherever, we know what he is saying into that situation. As a, as a young Christian, this is what I discovered, is that I, did, I was moving in gifts and knowledge that I didn't even know that I had. I, in the middle of conversations, I was talking about stuff because I didn't understand how gifts worked. 
And so I'd be saying stuff, and people were going, why are you talking about this? And I was like, oh, I, I don't know, it just, it just seemed that, and that was, well, that's a word of knowledge into the situation. I just didn't recognize it when I was bringing it, but we're going to come onto that kind of stuff, okay? So why, why, why has God given us these things? He wants the whole church moving in the gifts. And, and the, the Spirit is there so that there's a sign to the world that there's something real going on. God's alive. This is not natural. This is not just man's rules and regulations. We're not just following a good set of rules. The Spirit brings power. Acts, we're told, wait, tarry, until you're endued with power, until there's power released. There was something of power to come that we needed. The apostles had seen, if they spoke to things, they were able to heal like Jesus did, but there was something at a whole new level coming. So the way the apostles operated before the cross is not the way that we're supposed to operate. We're supposed to operate at a whole level higher. The new covenant that we live in is not just us trying to do what the acts that the apostles did before the cross. But what we see after the cross is if Jesus could do some stuff and spit in someone's eye, Paul, uh, Peter's shadow could heal someone. Now, to me, that seems to be a, an extra level. You know, it, it doesn't seem... I don't even lay hands on someone. You know, the, we're talking about fear. We're talking about most of us are, are so concerned as to whether we're going to get it right that we don't step out and do stuff. But you see, if you're led by the Spirit, if you understand that, you won't rely on what you know, but you'll go on those promptings, that, that sense of, maybe I should do this. It seems right to do that. Paul writes this, he says, it seemed right to the Holy Spirit and to me. In other words, he didn't have some blinding flash of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here. But it seemed right the proddings, the, the promptings of the Holy Spirit in him made him go, right, this is what I need to do. And you see, this is the encounter when, when Paul, Saul of Tarsus, has the encounter on the road to Damascus. And he's saying, who, who are you? Jesus says who he is, Jesus. You've been, and he says that you've been ignoring the prods. You've been ignoring these promptings. There's something was going on inside that you weren't listening to. How many of us have been in a meeting and you've had a sense of, oh, something, I want to pray about something, or, a, or an idea, or a picture, or, a, or a, a, a someone's come to your mind that you need to pray for, and then someone else has gone and prayed it out or spoken it out, and you think, oh, or you got excited because, oh, that was some, uh, maybe I did hear the Lord. That inner witness is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That inner witness. We're going to, I've got to move, haven't I? All right. So let's have a look. We know about these gifts. Three types. Gifts, you know them. 
They're in there in, Act, in, in 1 Corinthians 12. It's word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discernment are the wisdom gifts. Healings, miracles, and faith are the power gifts. And the speaking gifts is tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. So why, why these three different categories? What is it that, that's so different about these? Well, firstly, what it speaks about, these speak, the, the gifts, tongues. Sorry, I'm trying to be quick. Okay, all right. It talks about divers' tongues. Divers' tongues. I, I was like, King James, I don't normally go into this and sort of, but why do people go on about divers? What, what is that word? What's that root word that they, they divers? It doesn't say different. Or different doesn't seem to be enough because the different was a word that existed back then when the King James was written. So why do they say divers? Well, as I looked into it, divers, it's, it's an interesting word. It literally means kin-born. Kin and born. There's two parts to this word. Kin and born. What it speaks about is not just diversity, but nations, generations, offspring, dialects, idioms, and languages. Have you noticed that your kids... You know, in the 60s, I guess that things were cool. It was cool to be this. But now it's wicked or it's bad or it's whatever. You know, the colloquialism has completely changed. My kids use completely different words from me. It goes, so the things of the Spirit cross generations. Tongues goes across and can be interpreted in these kind of ways. That It goes across languages, normal, what we would go, languages, but also the language. I mean, I try to listen to my kids sometimes, and it's like, slow down, darling. Bex is like, whoa, Mancunian. I, I just let me slow down so I can actually hear what you're saying, hon. And, and what did you mean by that word? Hench or whatever it was that she's, she uses. And, I don't know. It just doesn't mean anything to me. But I think my parents said the same about me. What are you talking about? So when we understand, the thing it talks about divers, God's ability, when he tongues, divers, it goes cross, it goes cross-generational, cross-cultural. You see, we only talk, we, we laugh about this between the Americans and the British that we're divided by our common language. We say something and we mean something and they mean something completely different, but we've used the same words. It, our language can cause us problems. So in the spirit, when we're praying in tongues, that God has the ability through tongues to bring what he means to the person he's speaking to in ways they understand. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. So it also speaks about of men and angels. So there is earthly languages and heavenly languages. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Or men and angels. So sometimes you're going to hear stuff that you understand, and sometimes you're not. It doesn't matter. Tongues, it is a gift from God. It is a, it is a, a, a gift that, uh, when we say about known and unknown, is not just, you can have an earthly language that you know and an earthly language you don't know. 
But it, it, it goes beyond just what you know in the natural. This is a supernatural ability. You see, I can speak a bit of French badly. Someone can speak to me in French, and I can catch aspects of it. But when someone speaks in tongues, I have no comprehension except the Spirit causes me to understand. I speak in tongues, and it's, it's not just have I learned a language, but this language that I haven't learned, I'm completely fluent in instantly. It's a supernatural thing. That may be an earthly language, I just don't know it yet, or it may be a heavenly language, but it is also, as I grow in the Spirit, I don't have one tongue. Just as I can learn other languages, so I find with tongues that God gives me different tongues at different times, different languages. So sometimes my language sounds like something I might understand. It doesn't, because I don't have that language. Other times it's like nothing I've ever heard. I find as I'm praying or I'm speaking in tongues, it changes. And so it's known and unknown. But it goes beyond that. It is supernatural. So when we're praying in tongues, we actually, it says, we utter mysteries. It's not that I am necessarily, even if I understood, the, if I spoke in tongues in French, I still wouldn't understand because it's a mystery that I'm explaining. It's not just, I don't understand. And you see, for some people, they, they've, they've built a, a theology that the devil can't understand tongues. Listen, that's, it's irrelevant whether the devil can or can't understand the language. He is, after all, originally an angel of heaven who fell. So it is quite possible he understands the heavenly language you're speaking in. It is completely irrelevant. What 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8 says, that the powers and principalities, the devil, would never have put Jesus on the cross if they understood these things. Spiritual is not understood by flesh. Spirit is understood by the Spirit. And so it is an irrelevancy whether the devil does or doesn't understand what you're saying. Some of the best ciphers given during the war were to say that four birds of a particular type flew over a, a, a particular place. And what that actually meant, it was birds of, it was uh, planes or it was uh, boats. In plain language, something was spoken that had a completely different meaning. So the enemy could read it, but didn't know how to apply it. And so we see with things of the Spirit, the devil does not know what we are ministering when we pray in tongues. We pray through the Spirit, the Spirit praying through us, okay, things that actually are both for us and for others, and it doesn't matter. The gift of tongues is, a, is, is, also, is part of the Great Commission, it says in, in, in Mark 16, is that you'll pick up snakes, you'll drink poison, you'll pray in tongues, you'll heal the sick, but you'll preach the word. So it's part of the Great Commission. It's part of what we need. It doesn't mean we go around playing with snakes. All right? 
That doesn't prove something, but Paul, when he got bitten by a snake in the midst of doing God's work, shook it off. No effects. No effects. Some, some folks here, you know, you're frightened of, of what it means in cancer treatments and stuff like this. Listen. That, 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 that cancer treatment, that poison that's going into your system, it will not harm you. It'll do what it's sent for. You don't, have to under, you don't have to be afraid of going through medical procedures. By the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Therefore, these things, whether it's a tomato that's good for you or a, something else that's good for you, or whether it's something that's bad for you, it's not going to harm you. It'll do what it's supposed to do. It'll bring health to your body. His word is spirit and life. Health to my bones. Yeah. So whatever I'm going through, we're not going to allow fear to rule us, are we? We're going to let faith instruct us. The word of God instructs our spirit. This is what the word says, so let's agree with it. So tongues is a gift for us. It builds us up, it edifies us. It's part of the Great Commission. It takes our cooperation. The way the Spirit works is not that God kind of grabs me by the scruff of the neck and makes me and something comes out. But what happens is, and this is why tongues is the first gift, that we begin to step out of faith. We have a sense of something bubbling inside us, words are beginning to form in our, our minds, or we, we kind of hear of something, we have an impression of something, and we begin to speak out what we do not understand in this other language. And somehow, in tongues, it seems to be easier to do that than to speak out in a known language. That first step of faith that, that is, is, a, is that word of tongues, it, it somehow we, we have to put our mind to the side. Because things of the Spirit don't start with our minds, they start in our spirit. And it, that's why I believe that tongues is the first gift, why we see it, because it takes that step of faith. Like Peter stepping out in the boat. He's walking on the Word, he doesn't know. Everything in him goes, this can't happen. And he still takes the next step. And then what happens with people as they speak in tongues, they do what Peter did. They look at the waves and they think around, oh, how this is happening. This can't be working. And they start to sink and they stop pre- speaking out what God's giving them. But as you, what did Jesus say? Why are you frightened? Frightened? Fear. That, that's what stopped you operating in the Spirit, stopped you walking on water. And so it is with tongues that as we allow that grace gift that we've been given to be recognized, we become fluent. Not by trying harder, but just by walking in it. And for, for us, the reason this is such a powerful thing is most people are still operating on an Old Testament mindset, even when it comes to things of the Spirit, whereby I am going to try and enter God's presence. The moment you open your mouth to speak in tongues, you are in the Spirit. Because speaking in tongues is a Spirit thing by faith. 
But what happens is your flesh wants to stop you. The barrier is your flesh needs to quieten down and your spirit becomes more and more free, but you're already in the spirit. The second you began to speak in tongues, you, you hit the spirit. You were in the spirit. But you, you're, the issue is, are you going to stay in the spirit or are you going to step back into the flesh and quieten down? And what actually happens is after a few minutes of speaking in tongues... And Brother Hagen talks about this. After five hours, he suddenly hit his gusher. It wasn't that he got in the Spirit. He was in the Spirit. But the liberty of being in the Spirit was what got released. He never had that problem again. He was instantly in the Spirit. That first time is that battle inside us. Am I in the Spirit? Am I not in the Spirit? Am I in the Spirit? Am I not in the Spirit? What am I doing here? It's a, it's a mind issue. And that's why it says that the weapons of our warfare are, are, are powerful. What do they do? They tear down the carnal. So we lay every thought captive for Christ. The issue is our mind, not a breakthrough with God. Do you understand? Yeah. That's why tongues is so powerfully the first gift. It breaks that first bit. It breaks that am I or aren't I in the spirit issue. Because you know it's not coming out of you. You see, if I prophesy to someone, I know something about your life. So the danger is I start to mix what I think I'm maybe hearing from God with what I know about you, what I would like to see happen, with my understanding, tongues breaks and stops me. This is what it says in, 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 uh, in 1 Corinthians 14. When I pray in the Spirit, my mind is unfruitful. My mind doesn't know what to do with what it's hearing. And so we pray in tongues and the, and the, the, the shopping list and the, oh, I forgot Auntie Frieda's birthday present and the, all these things come to our brain but our spirit is focusing more and more in the reality of what Christ is saying to us, and that is beginning to instruct us because the spirit prays through our spirit, instructing our spirit, understanding and revelation comes to our spirit, and that then, as we keep praying, begins to come into understanding in our mind what to do with what we're hearing. This is such a key because the minute you pray in tongues, you step in the Spirit. That's why people at Smith Wigglesworth, they went around just constantly praying. It was part of their normal life to be praying in the Spirit at all times, on all occasions. And I think I've said this before. I, I've had times when I've been doing this where I'm in the middle of multi, I, when I was working up in London as a group accountant to a PLC in the city. I, I, I would be working on multi currency consolidations while praying in tongues. Because I got into this habit of almost a constantly praying. That's, it's not that I switched it on and switched it off. And when I prayed for an hour, I was in the Spirit. When I first got born again, and when Claire and I first got married, it used to annoy me how easily she heard the Lord. 
I'd pray for an hour, stomping up and down, praying, trying to find God in the midst of all that was happening. And she would literally sit down with a bottle of cornflakes and just beginning writing. It's about expectancy. What you think or you've been taught is what you will operate in. So here's a bit of liberty. My sheep hear my voice. There's a word going out to someone just now. Not just a word of knowledge, but it's a word of truth. They just actually produced the breaking of a mindset just now by the Spirit. Why do I know that? Just a prompting inside. So I speak it. This is, this is how to, the difference between carnal Christians and spiritual Christians. The spiritual Christians recognize wherever I am, I'm to be walking in the Spirit, producing gifts, the fruit of the Spirit, all the time, not when it suits me. That's the reality. You can be a carnal Christian who operates the gifts. And it's all about you. You see, when it comes to words and knowledge, you know, I heard of an appalling situation the other day. You know, a word of prophecy was given that, that some woman had been, had been raped by a big black guy. And it's like, I know that's not God. One, because God poured out his spirit on all flesh, so he's not a racist that's going to go a big black guy. He's a little bit more PC than that. And two, how do I know it wasn't from God? Because God doesn't expose a woman for ridicule and and things of the heart in the midst of a whole pile of people. He will go and he will minister to that woman through grace that builds her up, doesn't expose her, heals the situation and brings life, doesn't bring racial issues in, doesn't bring judgment issues in or anything else. See, the gifts of the Spirit, he always will do to others what you would have them do to you. So even if you've got a word, adultery, that you see someone on someone's head or anything like that, you know, you're going to gently deal with these things because that's how God gently deals with us. This is the gift. How do we know? Full of the wisdom as well as full of the Spirit. Yeah, these, these are things. This church, we are to be the most loving church in the world. That's not a measure against anybody else. But what has God got for us? Because the way is love. Pursue love is our gifts. These work together because love needs to be expressed in action. This is the thing. So when I talk about tongues and how they work, it's a sign for unbelievers. You know, it is a sign. Tongues, uh, that's what it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 14 here. It says they're a sign for unbelievers. So it shows something that is unusual. It shows uh, like the burning bush to Moses. It, it wasn't consumed. There was something odd about it. Okay? So pray in tongues. The great thing about Manchester is you can, there's so many different languages. You can walk down the street praying in tongues and just people think you're doing normal. But tongues is not preaching. Tongues, a message in tongues, what it says, uh, and we see this in Acts 2, is the people, they heard tongues being spoken by the apostles, and what did they say? We hear them praising God. They didn't hear them preaching. What Peter had to then do and go, this is what you heard about. This is that. 
that was spoken about, and he preached the word to them. Tongues, even in a language that is understood, will bring glory and honor to the Lord. It won't do the preaching job. We have to do the preaching afterwards or before it. You know, these, these things accompany the word. You see, it, but tongues strengthens the speaker. You and I, it talks about edifying. It strengthens us, and then it bring, through us, we're able to bring strength to others. So there's then the message of tongues. So there's two aspects to tongues. One is the language of tongues, the prayer language, the dynamics of it, that is a gift for us. Then there is the second element, which is what Paul uh, is writing about the message of tongues. To one is given a message of tongues, to another interpreting, to another this. So in a meeting like this, where we're allowing grace and flows of the Holy Spirit to happen, someone's got a tongue, someone's got a song. But at a bigger meeting like this, we have to organize it a bit. It's not a free-for-all, because the person at the back can't be heard by the person at the front, except that I've got some amplification. And my voice is pretty loud anyway. So what we see is in order for these things to happen, there is going to be something of encouragement. There's going to be strength brought. There's a whole part of other stuff I want to talk about, but I know I, know I need to go into uh, interpreting. And uh, You see, interpreting is not translation. The, the guys at the back with the uh, Iranian... Uh, Farsi ministry, they're interpreting, they're, they're, they're not just literally word for word translating what I say. They're bringing the understanding, the core of the message, the heart of the message, the, the, the reason of the message. It's not even just expressing it right, it's expressing the heart of it. It's expressing the, the wisdom of it as well as the what of it interpreting, you see, interpreting can take a sentence that is a, a few words long, and in an, another language, it's five sentences long to explain the same thing. Or sometimes what I speak that's five sentences is brought in just a couple of words, because that language means all of that. You know, when we read a word in Hebrew, and I go to Strong's Concordance, like divers, I have to unpack it and explain it to, bring it, to give it full meaning. It's one word, but it means so much extra. So I'm interpreting the word by giving it the full rounded expression. So when it comes to interpreting, we have this that we're bringing. A word of interpretation is always required when there's a message of tongues spoken. The reason in this church we don't see many messages in tongues is because I press so much for prophecy as a preference to tongues. So I would tend to operate a word of prophecy rather than a word of tongues myself. But that doesn't mean I don't listen to a word of tongues, yeah? I just go after prophecy more than I do tongues. But I speak in tongues like crazy. I pray in tongues like crazy. That's what Paul said. I, uh, I'd rather an intelligible word was spoken, five intelligible words, than a whole message in tongues. I want something to be instruction to be imparted and given. So the people that we're speaking to, 
Do, they just, do you just repeat the teaching on Sunday, or have you spent time to be able to unpack it and put it in your words so you can explain this gospel to someone else? On Thursday with our Iranian group, the, the Farsi group, that's what we did. I, I preached the three messages over three weeks, and we, we then said that the, the group that I uh, oversee, the life group part of it, that's more the going further group, they had to then preach to the, the, um, the, inter, the introductory group. Not because they're experts, but I wanted them to begin to express what I had taught them in their words to others. Because that's how God worked with me. He didn't wait for me to be some expert before he used me. He uses us, and as we step in the things of the Spirit, what we actually find is it brings understanding. You see, interpreting, it brings understanding. We interpret tongues, we take what is unknown and we make it known. And so we take the Word of God and we unpack it to people in our preaching, and it becomes clear. That's, that's really obvious. I've spoken in English the Word of God, but somehow it still needs a lot more to make it understood. So even with tongues, we, we speak in tongues and someone interprets and they're, they're unpacking it, they're bringing clarity. I'm not going to get onto prophecy today. <laughs> but you see, as a church, the, the reason that God is speaking this is he's called us a lot further. It's step up, step in. You see, the ministry gifts... These, the, the offices depend on the multiplicity of these gifts. The prophet doesn't just prophesy. He has words and knowledge. He has understanding. There's, there's prophetic words. He's using more than just the gift of prophecy. To prophesy does not make you a prophet. Speaking in tongues has enabled me to go places that I did not think I could. When I pray and I come to preach, I, yeah, I've, got, I've got notes written down, but I cannot depend on what I've written down. I'm depending on what God's speaking. And tongues is the first step in that. I will speak, I'll open my mouth, and I will allow him to fill my mouth, not with stupid stuff, but I will trust that he will not make me look stupid that he will bring clarity, even more clarity than I have in the Word, though I've studied the Word, and I will speak it out because I dare to. It, speaking in tongues brings boldness and strength to the body. So if you're someone like me that you prayed at first and, you know, you've got a tongue, but it like, always seems to start with the same words, you need to ask him for diverse tongues. Diverse tongues a diversity and a multiplicity and an expansion of those tongues. Because who knows that he may be getting ready for you to speak in a known language, but you got stuck in the one language that you've got. That you're going to bring that word through to someone that you've never done before, a message in tongues to someone that's going to unlock their hearts as you praise God in their midst. How many people have spoken in a known tongue in this church? I know a few have. One, two, 
three, four, okay. It is going to increase. Let me prophesy that out, okay? Because why can I do that? Because whatever is loosed in heaven, I can loose on the earth, okay? So I know in speaking that out, I'm just agreeing with Scripture, really, okay? This is what it says in the Word. So how many of you are going to take that this morning and are going to receive a new tongue? You may be filled with the Spirit. You may be preaching, speaking in tongues. You may have occasionally interpreted. But are you going to step into this on a whole new level and be ready to be used this week? You know, so this, I mean, it's a kind of a message. We've heard this before, most of it, probably. But God's speaking something new this morning. And if you'll receive it as new, God will unpack something in your heart right now. So let's just, let's just respond to God. Let's just stand and let's respond to the Lord. God has prepared works in advance for us to do. Just make that fresh surrender, Lord. My mind is yours. My tongue is yours. My body's yours. Even as my spirit's yours. So spirit, soul, and body, I, I give myself to you for you to use me any way you see fit. And I'm asking you for divers' tongues. Cross-generational, cross cultural, cross-national tongues, men, angels, wisdom known, unknown, I don't care, Lord. I am saying, Lord, expand me today. I will speak what you give me. I will use what you have given me. You have given me the gift of tongues, and therefore I'm going to speak it. Now, maybe there's someone out here, you're, you... Uh, you haven't yet received the Spirit. You're not speaking in tongues. And I want you at the end of the service, don't you go away. I want you to come up the front because we have a team of folks that will pray with you and you're going to get released in tongues. Maybe, maybe you've prayed for it before, but you've, just, you've not received that gift or you've not been able to flow in it. They will, they will explain to you the simplicity of that gift and how to pray in tongues and you'll get released. It's real simple. Maybe you've been scared of those gifts. Going outside your comfort zone. Well, God will never abuse you. Tongues strengthens you and strengthens others. It's both for you and for the church. Both a message of praying in tongues and the message of tongues those that produces strength, vitality, and grace. You need to embrace every gift, everything that God gives. You need to understand there's a reason He gave them. You can't do the call of God in your life without these gifts. You cannot fulfill the full extent 
Oh, God's calling your life without these gifts. Don't hold back by fear. But today, step in and go, Father, I refuse to be limited. I refuse to be limited by fear, by the unknown, by what I don't understand. But today, I'm stepping into more of your plans.